Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Poetry Superhighway Live. My name is Rick Lupert, and you have uh, reached our monthly live broadcast. Typically, we do an open reading every month, and everyone is invited to call in, but um, it's contest season here in Poetry Superhighway land, and it's our annual opportunity to speak with our currently running contest judges. I'm very excited. Um, a couple of them are here um, already, and we're going to talk um, in, a, in a minute to um, Alexandra Umlis and Debbie Hall. Um, <clears throat> offline, just so you know, just so you know why I'm hesitating here, um, we had lengthy conversations about how to pronounce uh, their names, um, and um, I almost, uh, in launching into the show, mispronounced my own name. So that's just the kind of day I'm having so far. Um, so, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, Poetry Superhighway Live is actually nine years old as of this broadcast. The very first broadcast we did was nine years ago, or maybe it was ten years ago. If it's nine, I'm, I'm not sure. Math is not my time. Math is not my strong suit. Um, and um, and so we've had the opportunity to uh, speak with uh, judges every year for all of these years. And so it's kind of the anniversary of Poetry Superhighway Live, and I'm excited to uh, to report that we're still live and uh, doing it. Um, those of you who are uh, got the announcement for the show and were excited to call in and read a poem, uh, uh, don't be too disappointed. The next show will be next month on September 15th. That'll be our regular open reading, and you'll have the chance to call in and, and read a poem and uh, etc. But this is a really great opportunity uh, for you if you're considering entering our contest. It's our 22nd annual poetry contest to actually hear directly from the people who are reading your poem entries. Um, and in a few minutes, they're going to uh, they're gonna come on. We're going to have the chance to hear some poems from them, um, hear uh, maybe a little bit about what uh, they thought in general about some of the poems that have come in so far, and generally just get some insight from, from judges, which is kind of a unique thing for our contest I think I don't know of any other contest that uh, that uh, lets you access the contest judges um, in this kind of way. So hopefully uh, you'll listen. Um, I would imagine you're listening right now if you're hearing this, and um, you'll you'll learn some things, and they will help you figure out um, how best to select and put together a, a poetry contest entry for our contest. As I mentioned, this is the 22nd year of the Poetry Superhighway contest. Um, and one of the things we've been able to do every single year, thanks to uh, many, many sponsors over the years, is give every single person a prize just for entering. Now, um, don't, uh, don't think that that just means that everyone wins, because that's uh, not actually uh, the case. Um, only three people win, and uh, after folks pay the $1 per home entry fee, we divide up at the end of the contest um, 100% of the entry fees between the three Winners of the uh, of the contest and those three winners, um, well, they win. Uh, but everyone else gets something just for entering. Um, and this year we have 62 sponsors so far who've donated, uh, who've offered to donate 132 prizes. And they really vary. There are uh, there are physical things you'll get in the mail, like um, books and um, and uh, magazines and subscriptions to literary journals and things like that. There are um, uh, uh, services. There are various poets who've offered to um, work with you on, on poems, um, and there's there's a couple people who have offered to um, to add money to the prize pot. So, uh, for example, if we get 800 poems uh, in, that's $800 that gets divided up between the top three winners. But a couple of people, including Jayanta 
Balmick, talking about names that are difficult for me to pronounce, um, offered $30 to add to that prize pot, and Cindy Tebow offered $25. So um, it's going to be so far $855. Well, it's going to be $55 plus the uh, uh, the the number of dollars taken in by by poem entries divided up by our top three winners. So everyone's going to get something just for entering. In addition to the fact that um, our winners will will win the contest, they'll be published on the Poetry Super Highway web, website as winners. Um, they will divide up the entry fee. Uh, Moolah and and one of our sponsors, actually Walking Press, um, a new sponsor this year, said that for the first place Poetry Superhighway contest winner, they are going to be also a featured writer, um, artist on walkingpress.com, which is uh, which includes um, a small run chapbook chat handmade using recycled coffee cup sleeves as covers. And all of the profits of that chapbook um, are split with the featured poet. So um, it's pretty cool uh, what's happening this year with, with our contest. Um, I just want to point out some numbers so far, and then we're going to get right to our judges. Um, this year, so far, 75 poems have been sent in, which is pretty good since we're only, uh, I, I think, less than two weeks into the start of the contest. Um, but only 37 um, of those um, have been paid entries so far. The way it works is you head to our website, you fill out a form, uh, the entry form, and then you send your poems uh, into a special place listed to you after you fill out the entry form, and then you pay the entry fee. And once you've paid the entry fee, that's my alert to send your poems off to the judges who will receive, um, receive poems um, every day that, the poem, that paid uh, poems come in and um, without your name. So they're, they're getting poems from any number of people on a particular day. It could be one person. It could be six people. Um, and they all look the same with uh, the poet's names removed, so it's judged blindly. The judges will send the poems back uh, scored with, with their titles, just zero to five points. We add those all up uh, at the end of the contest, and we, uh, we have winners. And that's how the contest works. So um, if you have any questions about that or any questions for our judges, please consider calling in. The number is 646 716 Six, two. Now, um, this year, um, all three of our contest judges happen to be the people who took first through third place in last year's contest. Um, this is the first time that's happened, I think, in a while. I always invite the judges of previous years, sorry, the winners of previous year's contest to be the judges of the uh, next year's contest. And it's a lot of work, and not everyone says yes um, for, for timing reasons, for conflict reasons, for um, for God knows what kind of other reasons. Uh, but this year, um, I'm lucky that um, that all three judges, Alexandra Umless, Debbie Hall, and Angel Ellis. Um, Angel, I know you're listening right now. Um, I saw you just uh, uh, come in. I hope I'm pronouncing your first mm-hmm. name right. You'll, you'll let me know. Um, and they're all online right now. So welcome to all of you. Hi, Alexandra. Hi, Rick. Hi. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Rick. And hi, Angel. Am I pronouncing your first name right? Well, I love the way you pronounce it, Rick. That's, um, you know, some people call me Angel, but it should be Angel. So thank you. So it should be. So we're starting a movement. Yeah, yes. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it was my grandmother's name, and it's a French name, but, you know, I've never lived in a Francophone area, but I, but I you know, I, I, I love when people call me Angel, so. Well, gosh, I'm going to stick with it then. Um, yeah, thank you, you guys. <laughs> thank you guys so much for being here today. I know uh, some of you are traveling and you've got crazy schedules, and some of you are sitting out in front of hotels in the middle of one of the Dakotas, maybe. I don't know. Um, so it's a big deal <laughs> that you've made time to, to call in, um, and, I, and I really appreciate it a lot. So, my first question for you um, is maybe if you could each tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, where you you live when you're not traveling and what you do for um, a living and maybe um, just a little bit about how you came to poetry or when you started writing poetry or something of that nature and that's that's a bunch of questions all at once if you need me to repeat them let me know Um, let's um, Alexander would you mind starting sure Um, I I currently live in Huntington Beach California uh, right now, I am in the middle of a town called Sleepy Eye, Minnesota, uh, just 
northeast of South Dakota. <laughs> um, I recently uh, earned an MFA in poetry from Cal State Long Beach, which I really enjoyed. I never thought I could be a poet, and so it was, wasn't until I was almost 40 that I decided that it was something I'd always wanted to do, and I went and got a degree in it, and I loved every moment of getting that degree. I had great professors at Cal State Long Beach. I highly recommend it for anyone that has an opportunity um, to get an MFA. And uh, any other questions that I missed there? Oh, what do I do Did for I a living? You? So yeah. I, I, was, I was a middle school and high school English teacher before I had my children. I've been at home with them for the last 11 years, and I just recently, in the, in the last week, was hired to teach high school English again. So next year I'll be teaching uh, 10th grade English. Wow, lucky 10th graders coming up uh, in, in the world. <laughs> um, that's exciting. Um, very cool, Alexander. You're, you're, um, I, uh, you're in Minnesota, you said, right now, but from Huntington Beach, just south of South Dakota. I mean, yes. that is, that is <laughs> Huntington Beach is not just south of South Dakota. It's sort of I mean, you know, technically, I think it's south, but there's some west involved as well. But anyway, yes. got it. Um, a, lo really a, lot to a lot southwest. A lot southwest. Glad to have you here. Um, Alexander was our first winner last year. Um, so it looks like that MFA um, has really been working out for her. And it seems like you can't take a left turn on the Internet without seeing another thing that uh, that's uh, Alexander's that's been published or has won a contest. So I'm um, um, very excited to have you here. Um, Debbie, how about Thank you? you. Um, uh, uh, where are you from, or and what do you do for a living, and how did you come to poetry? Um, well, actually, I was uh, born and bred in Southern California and still live here in North San Diego County. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to be retired from a, a long career as a psychologist. Uh, but in the latter part of that, I've always written poetry since I was a kid uh, and read a lot of poetry and, you know, wrote more at certain times of life. But um, after I retired from my um, work in psychology, I had been thinking quite, I'd already been taking, you know, online classes and, and poetry writing and such. And, you know, thought, started thinking more and more about getting an MFA, not to fashion a whole new career, but really just to, you know, write better and write more. And, in fact, I had friends that couldn't believe I was choosing to go back to school in retirement <laughs> and, Want to know well, why? We, why do you want to do that? What are you going to do with that kind of thing? And it really wasn't about that. Um, um, and I so I ended up going to Pacific University in Forest Grove, Oregon, and had some fabulous mentors, poets, and loved every minute of it. Uh, I thought it was just just the greatest thing to do, and and am now writing actively and publishing, and uh, loving every minute of it. And I bet That's I forgot amazing. a question. No, I think you. Good. I think you did. You got it all. Um, I, I, I love the concept of you know uh, of people reacting. You know, well, why are you going to do that when you when you talked about going back to school at all? That's that's very much the question that anyone who's not a poet kind of asks when when you tell them that you're a poet. So wait, wait what? You're, yeah. you're doing what? So that's uh, yeah. uh You you kind of got a double double dose of that um, there. Well, also yeah. glad to have you on board. Debbie, uh, Debbie won uh, second you. place in, in last year's contest. Uh, and now on to um, Angel. How about you with those uh, three questions? Well, uh, Rick, I have to say that I currently live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and have for many years. And Pittsburgh is an intensely literary city. And although um, I did not start publishing my poetry in middle age and although I have not like Debbie and Alexandra pursued an MFA program I have been part of a group wonderful group called the Mad Women in the Attic it's a program mm -hmm. out of Carlo University um, run by the poet Jan Beatty and it began as a program for uh, women writers in midlife or later life to find their voices and to study both poetry and fiction writing and nonfiction writing more seriously. You know, these are paid courses, although they're not degree courses. But over the course of the years, it has become a program that um, undergraduate and MFA students attend as part of their studies. 
and Carlo like well we have like nine universities in, uh, in Pittsburgh and all of them have MFA and even PhD programs in uh, in creative writing so Carlo also has that but that has been wonderful for me because um, when I first I published my first poem as an adult uh, 16 and a half years ago and then it was subsequent to that that I found the Mad Women and uh, I and made some wonderful connections in the city. But I was born in Syracuse, New York, and I've been traveling all around. And I'm calling in today from uh, Orlando, having spent a great part of the day at Cocoa Beach with my sister-in-law and 11-year-old niece. So this is a, a nice way to top off a, a beautiful day watching the Atlantic Ocean. So. Yeah, and I'm and I'm thrilled. I you know, I was just thinking because I was thinking about doing the show later, how everything a poet experiences becomes part of the experience. The same for for any for any writer, any artist. And just watching the colors change on the ocean today, you know, is has gone into the hopper. I'm not saying I'll get a poem out of it, but everything goes into the hopper. So, yeah, that's um, that's the the curse and blessing of, of being a poet, I, I think. In in that, um, you know, we're experiencing, we're we're trying to experience life, uh, uh, but we're 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 sort of busy assessing it and everything we're experiencing. And yes, going yeah, through our filter. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, and sometimes the two, I think, conflict a little bit and and, and hinder us from actually having experiences because we're busy. Uh, artistically filtering them, but um, you know, I I lived in Syracuse, and my family's from Syracuse um, as well. So oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah, I have so cool. much family in New York State. Uh, you know, all throughout, you know, in Syracuse and the Finger Lakes and Rochester in northern New York State, up up by Lake Ontario. Still a lot of cousins up there. <laughs> Very cool. Well, welcome. Um, Angel is our third place winner in last year's contest, and mm-hmm. I'm really glad to have all three of you on board. And it's interesting. There's some definitely similar through lines in your stories of when you came to poetry, um, and that's uh, it's it's kind of wild that you all found yourselves together in in this group uh, for this yeah. this project. So, um, you all entered last year's contest, and you all won last year's contest, and I don't know if you um, enter a lot of contests or not, and I'm wondering if you can um, all speak about maybe your, <clears throat> excuse me, experience in in poetry contests in general, and if there's anything in particular about the Poetry Superhighway Contest um, uh, that, uh, that that sticks uh, out in your mind as, as something different or, or that you appreciate or, um, or whatever, maybe, maybe you can start this time, Debbie. Oh, who was going to start? I'm sorry. Did you say me? <laughs> I, I, yes, Debbie. If, okay, if sorry about that. Yeah, I do um, I do enter contests. I wouldn't say a ton of them, you know, and I try to select contests carefully. Um, I tend not to enter contests that don't allow simultaneous submissions just because, you know, of the time involved that you've got something out there unless you're a very prolific writer and uh, write a lot of great stuff uh, that's contest-worthy. Um, so I do do that. I think, um, I really like what you're doing in, in Poetry Superhighway. I think it's a very nice way to engage people in the process of, and it's a very egalitarian process, but, you know, the idea of giving everybody that enters something, um, that it really means a lot, even if it's something small. Um, it's sort of like, you know, poets don't go into poetry to make money obviously, um, but I've done readings where there's a small stipend offer, you know, very small, but it's just the acknowledgement, and I think that's so important when you're asking people to, you know, be vulnerable, to send in their work and, you know, have those high hopes for it. So. Yeah, I I agree. I think um, it's very valuable um, to receive something for having done art, you know, whenever, mm-hmm. uh, uh, whenever, you know, I make any money from a book sale or tips at a reading or anything like that. Um, I, you know, I kind of keep that, that in a separate place. And, and whenever I do something with it, whether it's 
buy food or pay a bill. Like I'm kind of conscious that in some way I'm sustaining myself through mm-hmm. art. And it just, no matter how much it is or how little it is, it just, it feels um, valuable that that's happening. And it just kind of legitimizes to, to some extent what you're doing. Not, not that it necessarily yep. needs a legitimization, but, uh, but there right. you go. Okay, cool. Um, Angel, what about you? Contests. Well, you know, I one thing I wanted to add, elaborating on what uh, Debbie said, is I love the fact that you have devised this wonderful anonymous judging system because in my personal experience, although I have won things that were not uh, anonymously judged, some of the most delightful things I have won have been things that were judged anonymously. Uh, my first book of poetry Arab on Radar, poems from it won a fellowship from the Pennsylvania Council on the Arts. They were giving a fellowship that year, and uh, it was all anonymously judged. And there I was, one of 13 poets in the state of Pennsylvania, and some of them were well-known poets. I was unknown at the time, and that really put me on the map. And I have to say that I feel that if that contest had not been judged anonymously, I would not have been chosen given the nature of the contest. And I love the fact that you and Poetry Superhighway, I mean, yes, last year I was third. The year before, I tied for ninth with a poem, and I think I called in and actually read it. And I just, you know, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to be part of the judging. I mean, think of it, three poets working separately on the same poems, uh, you know, with with the judging point system you've devised, and then you crunching the numbers. Uh, I mean, what could be more fair than that? And what could be more of an honor, given the number of poems that we will be judging, to come out uh, from 1 to 10, or as you said, and everybody else can consider themselves in 11th place? I think, it's a, I think that more contests, as well as more uh, poetry publications, should be judging work anonymously. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do um, like to say that everyone else is in 11th place um, when we announce the winners. And because yes. um, people people are curious, and I do get a lot of requests. What well, can you tell me what my scores were? And I just um, I I don't want to be discouraging to people. And I, you know, I, I just think, um, look, you either won or you didn't win. And you know, so that's that's that. So um, cool. I'm glad it was a great experience for you. And um, I think you really kind of hit on. On the mission of the Poetry Superhighway, with the the talk about um, it, it being, it, you know, the way it's judged, etc., so anonymously and and it being fair, so so cool. Um, Alexandra, how about you? Your experience in contests and our contests? Yes. Well, I think it. I completely agree with what everyone said so far, and I also want to point out that the entry fee for this contest, for the Poetry Superhighway contest, is one dollar per poem which is very reasonable, and it's enough to give a prize, uh, but not so much that you feel like you're putting a mortgage on your house <laughs> to enter a contest. Uh, I, I have kind of a funny story about the Poetry Superhighway contest. Uh, I, my vacuum had just broke when I won the contest, and my husband will attest to the fact that I hate housework, and I'm terrible at it. I don't like vacuuming. I don't like doing laundry. And so I took my winnings and I bought myself a really nice vacuum from the Poetry Superhighway contest. And now when I vacuum, I don't hate it so much. I think about the contest. I think about poetry. And it actually puts a smile on my face. And so, Rick, I want to say thank you for making vacuuming more pleasurable for me. <laughs> this this may be a sign of the failure of our contest, but um, that's funny. Um, I, I just vacuumed today, by the way, uh, just so you know. I'm not sure I got as much joy out of it. Um, I don't think I found the poetry in vacuuming um, today, but I, I, I may just go and do it a second time with, with that in mind. That's um, right. Now you, can, um, now you can think of me and my poetry vacuum. <laughs> that's a whole other phrase, isn't it? Poetry vacuum. Um, so we, um, what was the other thing that you said that, you know, the, the, right. It's a dollar per poem. 
which means that you can participate in the contest with one poem and one dollar, and you will get a prize just, just for that. Uh, some people enter, do that. Some people enter a single poem. Some people enter five poems. Some people enter, I mean, we've had, you know, a handful of people enter 50 poems. So it's really up to you wow. how you participate. Um, it's not quite a mortgage payment, but I, I just wondering, you know, like all the poets, the people listening out there who, who are struggling at poets hearing the idea of a mortgage payment, you know, with the phrase, wait a minute, poets have houses? Is that possible? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I guess some of us are lucky enough to uh, have spouses who, who have a real job, so it, it, it all works out. Um, so, um, okay, well, thank you guys for all of that. Um, so I asked you to, um, and I, I know some of you are traveling, so if, if some of these things I'm asking you weren't able to do, that's just say so and no one will, will judge you. Uh, but I asked you if you could um, maybe pick a poem by um, – by one of your favorite authors to read um, and, uh, and share that. And so I'm wondering if, if you can do that. Um, and before you read it, maybe just talk about a, a few of your favorite other poets who are, who are out there. Um, let us know who they, who they are. And then, and then tell us, you know, who you picked to read a poem by and why you picked that particular poem. Um, I'm kind of rotating um, down the list on who goes first. Um, in these questions. So, um, Angel, it's your turn to go first if you're ready. Well, you know, I'm going to recite a poem today because when I was, uh, from the time I was a little girl, my mother, who grew up in an era in which children were made to recite poems in school, taught us those poems. Now, some of those poems are by the, the, you know, the schoolroom poets of the 19th century or classic poets of the early 20th century. Some of them are work that, you know, uh, by poets that nobody reads anymore except uh, maybe for a few eccentric scholars. But I had the sense of poetry as a voice from a very early age. It was one of the best things uh, she did for me other than teach me not to go down the junk food aisles because that wasn't real food. So, But the nourishment of poetry was also very important. And when I was a little girl, my favorite poem was Robert Frost stopping by woods on a snowy evening. And I still love that poem for, and for so many reasons, but also because when I listen to it, and I'm, I'm going to recite it from memory now, I can hear that hush, hush, hush of the snow falling. And, you know, the music of this, this master poet, master 20th century modernist poet. Although I love many poets, this was a poem that left its mark on me as a you know as a child and still to this day so i will just recite it now whose woods these are i think i know his house is in the village though he will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow my little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near between the woods and frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep. And miles to go before I sleep. There's that famous, famous line. Um, I just imagine uh, those of you traveling right now uh, are thinking about that uh, right now. I love the, the idea of the, of the horse, like having a thought. Mm -hmm. that, you know, this isn't where we should be stopping right now, is it? Shouldn't we? Shouldn't there be, a, you know, facilities and people yeah. you know, stable and hay readily available? I just, that's that's very cool. Um, Angel, thank you so much for uh, for bringing that poem to us today uh, from your childhood. Yeah. On top of it all, um, Alexander, how about you? So I I also love that poem. I actually recite that poem on airplanes when I get nervous. It's kind of a <laughs> a prayer a prayer poem for me. 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to read a poem by David Hernandez, who was one of my professors at Cal State Long Beach and who's a fantastic poet. Uh, it's from his book, Dear Sincerely, and it's called As the History Teacher Lectures on World War One." As the history teacher lectures on World War One, one student hears mustard gas and wonders if the air smelled like French's or gray poupons. One chews his pencil like a chicken bone. One executes the sick man in the margins. Under the blonde awning of bangs, one writes in pink ink a love note to the quarterback. One is stoned. One sniffs whiteout until his desk ripples. One lifts the trap door of a scab and licks his wound like a postage stamp. One fidgets in his sleep as if rodents tread over his flesh. One folds and folds a sheet of paper until it flies. With spit wads, one gives pimples to the blackboard. We must learn from history or be doomed to repeat it, the teacher says. One hears the clock biting its fingernails beside the flag. Wow, that's great. Um, and very different from the, the poem that uh, Angel uh, read, but at the same time, um, uh, I loved your shout out to that poem and the idea that you read it on airplanes uh, as, as kind of a safety uh, prayer, as it were. Um, and I, I love already the, you know, the variety of sensibilities presented. Um, um, and I think that can only be encouraging to anyone who uh, is thinking of, of entering because uh, all kinds of people write all kinds of different poems. And I'm, I'm sure they're wondering, well, I bet the judges aren't going to, you know, maybe this isn't their style. But we've already had a, a bunch of styles from just the two of you. So um, very, very cool. Um, Debbie, how about you? Well, it's interesting to to hear the admiration for Frost poem. I think that's so universal in many ways. And when I was in high school, I was in drama course, and we actually recited that poem in that in that context. So that was fun. Um, but I'm going to read a poem. It was incredibly hard to choose because I have so many favorite poets. Many of them were my mentors in the MFA program. But you're always reading new poets, and it's hard not to fall in love with so many of them and choose just one. But I'm going to read a poem from Ellen Bass, who I worked with at Pacific. Uh, she's currently, as you might know, a chancellor with the Academy uh, of American Poets. But I've always loved her poetry even before studying with her. And she taught me a lot about description, detail, and discovery. Um, So this poem is called When You Return. Fallen leaves will climb back into trees. Shards of the shattered vase will rise and reassemble on the table. Plastic raincoats will refold into their flat envelopes. The egg, bald yolk, and its transparent halo slide back into the thin calcium shell. Curses will pour back into mouths. Letters unwrite themselves, words siphoned up into the pen. My gray hair will darken and become the feathers of a black swan. Bullets will snap back into their chambers, the powder tamped tight in bright brass casings. Borders will disappear from maps. Rust revert to oxygen and time. The fire returned to the log, the log to the tree, the white root curled up in the unsplit seed. Birdsong will fly into the lark's lungs. Answers become questions again. When you return, sweaters will unravel and wool grow on the sheep. Rock will go home to mountain, gold to vein. Wine crushed into the grape, oil pressed into the olive. Silk reeled into the spider's belly. Night moths tucked close into cocoons. Ink drained from the indigo tattoo. Diamonds will be returned to coal. Coal to rotting ferns. Rain to clouds, light to stars sucked back and back into one timeless point, the way it was before the world was born, that fresh, that whole, nothing broken, nothing torn apart. <clears throat> Lovely. Um, thank you, Debbie. I, um, sure. It's, in, it's interesting also to hear, we have you, you all three, um, all three of you presented three different poems by three completely different people in three different styles, which is, um, which is amazing uh, to see those different sensibilities 
representative re represented. And um, I, Debbie, of course, you should just shout it out to uh, Robert Frost poem as well. I feel like this is sort of a setup. You guys have too much in common. Um, <laughs> so, so, so far. Not a bad thing. We've got travelers. We've got people who all came to poetry um, uh, later. We've got uh, Robert Frostians uh, going on. Um, uh, this is a, a, a cabal, a conspiracy of some kind, but I love it. Mm -hmm. um, so cool. Thank you guys very much for uh, for picking a poem by someone else to read. That's a cool thing to do if, you, if, if anyone is listening, you ever go to a poetry reading. Um, which you should, um, maybe take um, every now and then some time in an open reading to read a poem by someone else besides you. Of course, you want to share your own work, but, but uh, why not share something that's, that resonates with you, with other, other people? Um, it will, uh, I think, um, just appreciate your own sense of poetry, of forcing yourself to do that, as well as you'll help expose the people who are listening to other, other voices they might not be aware of. Or as familiar with. Um, so uh, before I ask you guys to read your uh, own poems, I I just want to mention to the audience that if anyone wants to call in and ask any questions, um, please do. The number is 646-716-7362. If you're nervous about calling in, uh, you can send me a message on Facebook, and I'll be happy to relay question. It can be a question to the judges about um, about judging contests or anything related to poetry. It could be a question to me about um, the logistics of the contest, etc. 646-716-7362. In case you just joined us, my name is Rick Looper, and you're listening to a special edition of Poetry Superhighway Live. I'm speaking with the three judges of this year's Poetry Superhighway Poetry Contest, Alexandra Umless, Debbie Hall, and Angel um, Ellis. So, um, I also asked if you guys would bring a poem of your own to read. Um, gosh, it's already um, 36. I feel like we just started, and we're 36 minutes into, into this show. So we're going to get through this part, quick, part quickly so we can um, also ask you guys about the poems that you've read so far and get some general comments from you about um, what you might be looking for. Um, but, um, Alexandra, would you, would you be so kind to share one of your own poems? Sure. Uh, I was actually planning on sharing a different poem, but I think I'm going to switch gears. I do have a poem that was written in uh, the style of Robert Frost's poem that was read earlier. So I'm going to go ahead and read that one. And um, I had to rewrite this poem because I was listening to Ron Kirchhey speak at uh, a, a, a poetry gathering, and he said he pointed out the rhyme scheme of Robert Frost's poem and how the reason he has to end that that last line with repetition and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep is because he, he keeps carrying over a rhyme from the stanza before and if he hadn't repeated the poem would have just gone on and on and on and on and on and on so um, this is my version of the poem and I think it speaks to the fact that poets know how powerful language is and words these days seem to be kind of tossed around so carelessly so this is called To Robert Frost on a Frightening Evening. There are still woods, still soft-swept snow. Our leader's tweets are scary, though. Enough so we can't keep our ear attuned to nature's splendid show. What would you write if you were here? You held America so dear, now fire and ice. Such polar pairs seem tame to us compared to fear. No laureate could climb the stairs and help the swearing in. No cares to speak with sense. No way to steep our tea then turn to our affairs. Our situation's dark and deep. We have humanity to keep. We're waking up and cannot sleep. We're waking up and cannot sleep. Way to keep the same uh, rhyme phrase, the eep, in there uh, as an extra tribute to uh, Frost. And uh, way to switch gears on your feet in the middle of Minnesota as well and pick a different poem. Thank you, Alexandra. Thanks. Um, Debbie, let's hear your poem. Yep. Okay, this um, poem regards something that's all too familiar to us uh, Southern Californians in the group and uh, regarding the annual events of um, Santa Ana winds and fire 
Um, and in specific, it was written as a response to uh, the situation revolving around Paradise, California, where an entire community was pretty much wiped out. So the title of this poem is Devil Winds, and the epigraph is The Wind Shows Us How Close to the Edge We Are by Joan Didion. Devil Winds. You know you'll never tame this fear by writing about it, but it's something to do while the catabatic winds whip the eucalyptus crowns, snap branches that fall and litter driveways, stacks of kindling drying in the sun. When searing winds ignited the brittle edges of your neighborhood and mind in 2007, drove you from your home for four days, you imagined the losses and made lists, what you would take first if, what you would miss most if. But today, you think of the luxury you've had imagining if, as you survey picture after picture, news from up north, fire-flamed skies, the singed fur of escaped animals, flattened char of an entire community. Today, you wonder what you'd do if asked for small scrapes of your cheek, a few swabs of skin, identity markers that might remove your kin from the list of still missing, sweep uncertainty away before rain and flash floods push remains deep into a paste of mud and ash, just out of reach a while longer, their names still alive in the realm of the possible. Wow. Um, that was amazing. And, uh, yeah, Thank all you. too familiar. Uh, you're right. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it seems like um, we're, we're not fire season is not getting any better uh, for any of us. Oh, it's getting more frequent, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, Angel, how about you? Thank you. Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to change the mood just a little and read one of the poems that you recently published, along with Alexandra's and and Debbie's on the Poetry Superhighway website, so anyone can follow along or go to the website and read some wonderful poems. And I just want to talk about the genesis of this poem, which is called A Disaster, uh, But It Could Have Been Worse. In parentheses, I was in a car with two poet friends, and one of them was scrolling through his phone, as people always do these days, and came upon a headline that a restaurant that I used to go to with my ex-husband all the time uh, had burned in, in suspicious circumstances, and the owner saying, yeah, but it could have been worse, and we were all laughing, and I thought, there's a poem in there. And also this poem, you know, I think we all echo other poets when we write. Um, that's why I, I think it was wonderful, that wonderful Frostian poem that uh, that was read. Um, I think that this poem owes a debt to two famous poems. One is E. Cummings' Pity This Busy Monster, Man Unkind, and the other is Elizabeth Bishop's One Art. <laughs> so now I'll read the poem. A disaster, but it could have been worse. Sometimes we burn our own lives down, but it could have been worse. Even if the staircase to the intact bridal suite ascends only in memory. Sometimes we need help to complete the arsons that start by a jimmy door. Maybe you went for a smoke break in a hell of a universe dropped a match of secret passion into the gasoline kept for emergency, synonym for disaster. It could have been worse. It could have ended in bed like spontaneous combustion. But the real deal, not some worn simile for sexual chemistry or the little death executed in a courtroom. Our contract canceled, our fine print dust and ashes. It could have been worse. We could have been too scorched by the metaphorical flames of divorce to flee when the literal fire started. Don't extinguish this minute. You said you loved me in that restaurant just torched for insurance money, and wasn't it romantic, like when I sold my wedding ring for five bucks, thinking I could have gotten more for a filling, and the huckster with weak eyes shedding permanent tears another disaster survivor, told me I could come back and buy any hocked ring in his shop, half price, just remind him if he forgot, like you, 
like me, that it could have been worse. Well, that's definitely a, a mood changer from what you read before and what everyone else has, has read as well. Um, um, great. Always look on the bright side uh, of life, uh, <laughs> I believe the song goes. Um, thank you so and, much. And again, I, there's a kernel of truth in every poem. And again, I, I, I really did sell my wedding ring for $5. <laughs> that really happened. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, uh, I I guess that's what it was worth to you at the time, So, um, which is a whole other uh, world of uh, assessment there. Oh, Um, yeah. Thank you, Angel. Thank all three of you for uh, being willing to uh, read poems on the air by other people and by you. Um, Anyone can read more poems by all three of you from last week's Poet of the Week uh, issue. All three of our contest judges were... Uh, the featured poets um, of the week last week. And if you scroll back in the past poets archive, you can read their poems that won last year's contest as well. Um, Just a reminder, if anyone wants to call in and ask a question to me or our judges, the number is 646-716-7362. I do see one caller on the line. um, And just before I get to them, uh, I want to just remind everyone that it's not an open reading Today, um, no one's invited to call in and read poems. I'm only going to take callers who have questions either for the judges or me about this year's contest. So if you're uh, waiting on hold and that's not you, you should um, you should leave that situation or else I'm going to put you on the air and it's going to be awkward when we discover the truth. Um, so before we get to uh, our caller, um, so we, we've had a handful of entries so far, and I know that you've you're all in different different places with them because you've been busy busy traveling at the, here at the beginning of the contest. But I'm wondering if if, uh, if you all could comment a little bit on what you've seen so far in terms of the entries, um, and then maybe um, also um, some general comments about what it is that you think that you're looking for as you're uh, reading these poems. And Debbie, I think it's your turn to go first. Okie doke. Um, well, I have to confess I haven't had too much time to go over them, um, although I have read through all of them, at least an initial read. I just got back from overseas to, uh, last night. Um, but I, So my remarks are going to be kind of general, but I, I'm really impressed so far by just the range of topics and approach to those topics, um, ranging from really straightforward narrative to more abstract representations of you know, the ideas that are presented in preoccupations. And I, I so appreciate reading people's work, um, again, just because I think it, it, you know, you take a risk when you put your stuff out there. And I appreciate that, and I'm fascinated with people's life experiences. So uh, it's been great so far. I look forward to reading more and reading the ones I've already read over again more in depth. Cool. And in terms of when you're reading reading poems for something like this, what what is it that you're looking for? Well, you know, I, I was thinking about that, and, um, you know, Stephen Dobbins really talks about three kind of essential elements in a poem, the physical, intellectual, and emotional, and it doesn't mean that they have to be present in equal amounts, certainly, but, you know, the idea of the poem, the intellectual, the thinking, or the through line of thought, and the emotional is really the emotional impact of the poem on the reader, um, and the physical is all that physicality of the poem that we talk about. Uh, as important elements, imagery, metaphor, specific detail and description, good use of sensory detail. Um, And I think, you know, one thing that's so incredibly important is discovery in a poem, that if you write what you already know, there's nothing, no surprise for the reader, no surprise for the writer. Um, I think musicality is important, sound. Um, And I'm always happy to find myself laughing out loud in poems um, and finding delight or finding that poem that, uh, in the words of another or an editor, makes you miss your subway stop or makes you miss something that you're so absorbed in. So I think those are some of the things I look for. That's great. I'm always happy to, to find myself laughing out loud in any situation, uh, but it's especially <laughs> delightful in, yeah. in, in a poem. Thank you for all that, Debbie. Angel, what about sure. you? Um, comments on the entries so far and, and any general comments mm-hmm. on what you're looking for? Well, I'm, I'm just going to speak generally because I, you know, I really need, and I haven't had it with my demanding travel schedule and family, the quiet time to begin to savor these poems. And um, 
what 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 I what I intend to do is, you know, I of course I'm going to have to read each poem four times before I come to a final judgment on it. My first reading will simply be for my sheer initial emotional impact, you know? Just yeah. how does it strike me upon first acquaintance? Then, you know, my second reading uh, will probably be more for, you know, the techniques, the musicality uh, that have already been alluded to. And, um, you know, and, and then, then my third reading will probably be for how does it hang together insofar as meaning. And, again, these readings are not going to be like all in one hour. This is going to be over the course of several days, you know, while I sit with the, po- the, bat, the poem and then my fourth and final reading will be to hopefully to put all those things together and come to a final, you know, point judgment on it. But I really think that a poem may strike you one way the first time you read it, and then if you really give it time, you know, by the fourth reading it may strike you a, a totally different way. And I also feel that in any poem, I feel this about my own work since I'm critical of my own work, Sometimes there, even in a poem that isn't the best poem, there is one beautiful image or there is one striking use of language or there is one something, you know, in that poem that lingers, even if you decide that the poem itself does not hang together as well as it could. So it's always a discovery and a joy, uh, you know, to read other people's work. Great, yeah. I'm I'm uh, uh, in awe that uh, just the, the the statement that you're going to read each poem four times. I of course. I, oh, well, I, I feel I have to. Yeah, and I, I think that probably we we uh, anyone judging a contest, I'm sure the other folks do as well. Read read each one multiple times, and just occurred to me that if that kind of quadruples the number of poems that you're that you're reading, and knowing how many come into this contest, that seems like quite a task. Um, uh, Alexandra, how about you? What are uh, what about the things that you've seen so far, and what what generally are you looking for when you read them? I love the variety of what I've seen so far: uh, serious poems, poems in form, free verse poems, poems that you know really um, use an economy of language, poems that have longer lines. It's really wonderful just to see the variety of what people are writing. That also makes it very difficult, I think, to put a value on on the poems for a contest because uh, you do have to decide which poem you like better. And I I think it's important for people that are entering contests to realize that it really is very subjective. And just because your poem, you know, might not be in the top ten doesn't mean it's not a great poem that could win another contest. Um, I feel like I'm very happy to have had some practice in this. I, I've been reading for uh, palette poetry for just about a year now. And so I do read 10 to 20, sometimes 30 poems a week for them and um, make decisions for contests and for the general submissions. And I really encourage anybody that's submitting to try to find an organization where they can volunteer as a reader, because I think it gives you a lot of perspective into um, how poems are read and, and, and that just because, you know, I take rejection as I tried and I did it and I have another rejection, hooray. <laughs> but I know sometimes rejection can be very hard. So I think uh, I definitely agree that there's that famous Frost uh, quote, no surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader. If there is something in a poem that, that makes you think about something in a different way or that excites you, or that lingers with you after you've read the poem, those are the poems that really I'm drawn to, and the poems that do surprise me and and do make me think, or do make me think, wow, I I hadn't thought of it that way before. And so I think it's important to, uh, as you're writing, to realize, like, you don't know where the poem is going to take you, and if you do, you probably are... um, to use a David Hernandez quote, you're, you're closing windows in your poems when you should be leaving them open. So uh, that's that's what I would say about entering contests and about what I'm looking for when I'm reading poems. 
<clears throat> That's great. That's a lot of good insight. Um, and yeah, I, I especially appreciate the challenge of, of reading of reading the poems in the way that you mentioned. You're you're you want to appreciate the poem on its own terms and and apply a, a, a score to it based on that. But at the same time, you're reading all these other poems, and something has to rise to the top based on kind of a separate paradigm that you've set up for your, your score system, and I, I, that's probably the challenge for, for all of you. So, um, great. That's some good info. We are coming down to um, about five minutes left in the show. I'm going to see um, what three, the area code 305 uh, caller has to ask, um, and, uh, and ask you to see if you can squeeze one more question um, in. So, hello, uh, caller from the 305 area code. Do you have a question? And they hung up immediately when I put them oh. on the air. See? <laughs> we found out the truth. They didn't really have a question. They were just spying on us through the, the call-in system. Um, okay, well, so my next question for you guys um, is, is more of like a um, like a, a nuts and bolts kind of, 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 of question. Um, are, are there specific things, and I realize not all of you have, have applied poems to, or scores to poems yet, but that, that, can, that really might contribute to a score going up and down, the mechanics of it, spelling, you know, that kind of thing. You know, like if someone has a spelling error, is that going to, you know, just ruin it for you or that kind of thing? Get into some of the, the nuts and bolts of it. I'm on gel. Well, you mentioned a spelling error. Like anyone can make a spelling error, and I would not, you know, dismiss a poem because someone made a spelling error. You know, spell check is is not perfect. I, I think because I um, – Although I, I don't current, I'm not currently reading for a publication. I was a, a first round reader for a poetry contest, the Bell Day Poetry Contest, for two years. That was, those were full length manuscripts, and in my editing work, I have reviewed several manuscripts, both full length and chapbook length, for other writers, other poets. And you know, when when I when I think of specifics, I think. You know, uh, a poem has to be complete to me. And, and again, that, that's a hard thing to define because, uh, you know, some poets can be very brief and be complete, and some poets could be more discursive and complete. But, and again, there, a poem should always have a mystery. But if I think people, if the poem seems really unfinished, or, you know, just too sketchily thought out, like an early draft and not really a poem that someone has worked on to bring to a certain level of completion, that that would be something that would trouble me. Good insight. And maybe Thank they rank, rank it lower. But, you know, again, this is also subjective. Gotcha. Um, Angel, that's good insight. Thank you for that. Um, Alexandra, how about you? We've got about two minutes left, so you guys could – be as quick as possible. The, the, the live broadcast will stop when we get to the hour mark, and we'll, it'll still keep recording okay. for people who listen to it later. So I, but I, I don't want to go too much over the, the, the hour. Yeah, so I think that it's just important. It's just important to remember that there's a difference between poems that are publishable and contest-winning poems. And poems that are publishable, I mean, you you can write a good poem, and a magazine or a, a publication could take that poem. But a contest-winning poem, I think, is a poem that is a little bit more inspired. It might be something that you didn't know you had in you that kind of just comes out all of a sudden, and then you work on it and you make sure that there aren't spelling errors and things like that. And I don't think that that would be a deal-breaker, but I do think it's important for people to realize that it, that these are this is a, a, a contest. It's not just a, you know, you're not just submitting to be published. And so I, I, that's important, I think, to keep in mind. Interesting. So you, there's a difference between like uh, what someone might submit for being published versus a contest. Absolutely. Okay. It, that, um, that a lot of times, yes. Gotcha, um, Debbie. Yeah, just I just want to throw in one thing uh, about the poetry at the line level. And, you know, one thing that I think is an off-made mistake, I've done it myself early on, is for those of us who write free verse and narrative poetry, make sure that it's not just a bunch of lines of prose broken up, you know, into lines looking like a poem. Um, 
it's a high bar, but the ideal for each line is that it would have something interesting to say on its own and, of course, contain those important craft elements. But something interesting so that if only one line of your poem survived, that line would be worth reading. Now, that's obviously a high bar, and it's not going to apply to each and every line, but it's a good standard to think about the line or the poem at the line level. That's a good tip as well. Um, thank you guys for all of that. So um, I'm going to um, – the show, the live show is going to end in about 30 seconds. Um, so anyone listening live, uh, we're going to get cut off, but we're going to squeeze in one quick final question that I'll, that I'll keep recording so, we, so we're not just cut off so suddenly. I'm wondering if, if um, you could each maybe just share any general last words or advice to um, uh, anyone who might uh, listen to the show. Um uh, after the fact, Alexander, how about you? Just, I would just say, remember that we we write uh, for all for different reasons and to put out different things. And I I would just encourage people to feel really good about submitting something, regardless of the outcome. Um, the right the, the the act of writing is what's important, and to share it. Uh, with people, even if 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 it's not published on Poetry Superhighway, to keep submitting it to different places um, because there is a home for it somewhere, and um, the uh, the writing deserves to be read. Um, that's what I would say. That's that's awesome advice, and I you know I know from anyone, including myself, my own experience in submitting poetry places. You know, sometimes it takes a number of of of, of tries, but uh, you know. The poem that that six editors didn't like. There's going to be one out there who who does, and so absolutely. Um, um, even if it's even if it's just yourself, I think there's a certain legit legitimacy in that. Um, I don't necessarily, although it's a weird thing to say in the context of being a an editor, a publisher, and running a contest. I, I think um, you know that you you have to like your own art first, even if no one else does. So there's a legit legitimacy and importance. Um, to that. Um, Debbie, final words from you. Um, I really would echo what Alexandra is saying just in general about uh, writing and submitting. It's so important to keep going and to, you know, count those rejections, just count the submissions as great success and, and to keep finding joy in the poetry. Um, the only other thing I might say is to, you know, in, in the context of all the things we've been saying that are important in a winning poem is to be sure that you read it allowed that you read it to someone else get some input even if you don't necessarily agree with it because there's a lot that we can become aware of that we're not unless we share that with somebody else before kind of putting it out there on the main stage yeah i couldn't um i couldn't agree more i think um in, in addition to just reading a lot of poetry whether you're doing it um uh, you know for a, a publication or or just uh, uh for your own uh, benefit is for your own benefit, uh, you, you uh, and uh, which is something I said earlier. But the, the other part of that, um, the other big piece of advice is, is definitely to read your work out loud. And whether it's going to open reading yes. and, and ga- gauging how it sounds when it comes out of your mouth, or or based on how the people listening to it, you know, react to it, it's, it's such a great, great tool. Thank you, Debbie. Um, Angel, sure. final words from you. Well, I, you know, such wonderful things have been said by. Debbie and Alexander that I agree with but I just want to commend everyone for their courage really not only in uh, writing creating in dark times but submitting you know I really think that art is one of the things that keeps hope alive on a personal level on a cultural level for so many of us so I just want to thank everyone for submitting. And on behalf of everyone, I'd like to say you're welcome, um, um, Angel. Thank you very much um, uh, for that, um, for that uh, encouragement. Thank all of you for spending um, uh, an hour plus uh, with me today talking about these things. I think what you said, anyone who who's considering entering our contest will find the things that you've said valuable and interesting, um, whether it's just just because they're going to enter this contest or just because they're poets and interested. Um, so I really appreciate um, all of you, especially in the, in the, in the crazy traveling situations that some of you are, are in. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you. All right. Take care, you guys. Um, All right, you um, too. And, and, and Bye. More are Bye, everybody. Bye. That <laughs> All was, right. That's um, great. That was, uh, that was um, Angel Ellis, uh, Debbie Hall, and Alexandra Umless, uh, the three judges of this year's Poetry Superhighway Poetry Contest. Um, if you'd like to enter um, and know more about entering, head to our website, poetrysuperhighway.com slash PSH. There you can uh, read poems from our judges uh, in uh, the past Poets of the Week archive. And if you click on the banner at the top or the contest menu at the top, you can see all the things you need to know about entering. You've got until October 5th to uh, enter your poems. It's only $1 per poem, and every single person gets a prize just for entering. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.